Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up, went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a word for us this morning. Praise the Lord. We tend to see it almost just as a catchphrase, though. I think that's what Christianity in America has done to us. It is just a word, in fact, the word that we have for us this morning. It's the first word of our psalm. Alleluia. We know that one, right? We'll see it in different spellings. Here it's with the H. In other places it's with the A. It's part of our liturgy. It's something that is actually going to be leaving our liturgy soon when it comes to Lent because normally it is the tradition that you get rid of the Alleluia throughout Lent because we're talking about repentance and remorse over sin and introspection and prayer and we wait to praise God again until the tomb is empty. But American Christianity, especially our, our evangelical and Pentecostal brothers and sisters, it, it's almost become a, a hashtag. It, it's become an acronym. PTL, we text to one another when we're happy about something. It's like saying, oh my goodness, lost some of its power. And I think even for Lutherans, I do wonder uh, whether we are a praising people. It doesn't usually work so well. I think our Scandinavian culture causes us to have a, a, a desire to be humble. Am I right? We can go with the humble brag here in Minnesota, but we tend to not do too much praising of ourselves. We try to make sure not to be too braggadocious when it comes to other people. I, I even noticed that when I first came here that I learned the rule of the last one. In Minnesota, you're not supposed to take that last cookie. No one is. It's just supposed to sit there in limbo. No one's allowed to eat it. It goes stale, gets moldy, and then you throw it away. Because you don't want to be that guy taking the last one. But this idea of praise the Lord. Are we a praising people? This word comes to us in our psalm, and we see it sort of as just a phrase, well, we'll hold it in our liturgy, but it actually comes to us as a command, as an imperative. And it's not just a command or an imperative. It actually comes in a, in a tense in the Hebrew, the PL tense, which takes regular verbs and it makes them stronger. So instead of just being a suggestion, well, maybe you should praise the Lord. No, it actually says you must praise 
the Lord. You must. Or, or another translation of the word is boast. And, and with, the, with the PL tense, it makes it very, very strong to the point that we'd say, okay, boast in God alone. Nothing else. Boast in God alone. C.S. Lewis, in a little book, uh, Reflections on the Psalms, that his wife thought he should, he should write, he writes this, All enjoyment spontaneously overflows in praise. Isn't that true? We go for a walk, and we're heading west. It's the evening, and we see a beautiful sunset. What do we do? Wow! Or we get done with a great meal. We want to send our compliments to the chef. We tell each other, oh, that was just fantastic. That was great. Oh, and we leave happy. In other words, we praise the things that we delight in. Someone this, this evening is going to be praised, either Patrick Mahomes or Tom, who sold his soul to the devil, Brady. One of the two is going to get praised. Am I wrong? Praised for what they do on the field. One of them is going to be able to do the, you've just won the Super Bowl, what are you going to go do next? I'm going to go to Disney World. One of them gets the chance to do that. Because we delight in something that we think to seem to be praiseworthy. But here, this word comes to us this morning and it says, praise the Lord, that we must. And I wonder, do we delight in Him? Do we? Do we, do we enjoy what overflows from God to us? Why should we? Well, the psalm lays it out for us. We'll also see it in Isaiah and, and in Mark 1. But the psalm, right away after it says, praise the Lord, verse 2, it tells us why. It says, because he is gracious, meaning he gives. To be gracious, grace is just another word for gift. To give to us, that God regularly gives to us. Here, here, here try this. Take your pulse. No, it's okay, it's safe, you won't pass out, I promise. You feel that heartbeat. Gift from God. Every single one of those. Or that breath that you just took that you forget about. Gift from God. God who gives. And this is an important thing for us, especially following 2020 and now into 2021, which is more like 2020 2.0. Things have been taken from us. Things that we loved, things that we enjoyed, things that were considered normal and now they're, they're not. They're things that we can't do, things that we want to do, that we wish we could do, that we can't. And maybe we need to instead look back on the year and wonder what it is that God has given us, that we rejoice in, that we delight in. So I ask again, praise the Lord. It says he builds up Jerusalem. Another word for that is he establishes it. He makes it it's strong for, for the Hebrews, the Jews. They would look at it and they would see that's the city of God. That's the city of David. That's the, that's the place where the temple dwells. That's the place where all the glory of God dwells. That is, that is where we want to turn our faces. Well, for us, we see it as that's the place where our Jesus went and died and rose. But also, as Christians, we can think of it as that other Jerusalem, that new Jerusalem that's going to come down out of heaven, the one where there will be no moon, no sun, no stars, for God will be its light. 
that there will be no more weeping, no more sadness, no more pain. And God establishes that. He, he sustains it. It's solid. It is true. Or in the translation we had before us, it says He gathers the exiles. In the Scriptures, it's more the word outcast. The word, it actually means the cast down ones, the thrown away ones, the cast aside ones, the ones that nobody cares about. Well, we're gathered this morning, aren't we? Gathered because of God to hear the Word, to praise, to pray. Are you the cast down ones? The thrown away ones? Could be. Maybe. Probably. In some ways. Maybe that's who we need to be, that we might praise the Lord. Or He heals the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. Those whose hearts have been shattered by, by the sins of others upon us, our own sins on our shoulders. God being the one who brings us back together. Or he, he bandages wounds. God being the wholeness to our brokenness. That He lifts up the downtrodden, the weary, the ones who have been run over. And that He takes pleasure in those who fear Him. That is actually the cycle of faith that we have where we see in God the One who is gracious, the One who gives. And so we return to Him praise and the glory that is due His name and He looks at that and He takes pleasure in it, not because He needs His ego stroked, because we finally get it, that He is the One who gives life to all. So we turn to Him and He takes pleasure in us and returns His grace and then the cycle starts all over again. Or Isaiah 40. Some of those verses in Isaiah 40, we love that one. That's the one we put on t-shirts, right? And that, that we put on coffee cups. I, I've, been to, I've been a coach in, in track for 20 plus years. I've been to plenty of track meets where you've got track teams from, from Christian schools that, that have some of these verses on the back. Oh, run and not grow weary. Well, I'll watch you run the mile and you're going to pass out. I don't think God really is like partial to you versus somebody else in the race. I, I think God's just up there going, yay, use your gifts. But Isaiah 40, our, our, our section of the text that we had this morning that, that RJ read to us, it begins with, have you not heard? Have you not heard that God is God? And then goes on to tell us all about this God. This one that, that we're supposed to praise, that we're supposed to be in awe of, that we're supposed to boast only in, the one that, that spreads out the heavens and knows all the stars by name, and oh, by the way, he also knows you. He also gives to you. That He tears down all that may rule over us. Sin, death, the devil, princes, principalities, powers. Tears them all down in Jesus. They may look like they are winning in this world, in this time, but God's time is above ours. That it says that we are the weary ones who find our strength zapped. I speak to, to the young people here this morning. Uh, you get tired, right? Right? You get hungry? I've got a 13 and 17 year old in my house. We've been a swimming family for many, many years. I can't keep enough food in the refrigerator to save our lives. And I mean that. 17 year old girls need a lot of food. You'd be surprised. 13 year old boys, I need to take out a second mortgage. Because we get hungry, we get tired, regardless of our age. And it becomes time in which. We need to realize that. That no matter how young we are, no matter how invincible we think we will be, that we can do anything. Well, it says God's not impressed by princes or 
horses or, or fast runners. He's not impressed, impressed by, by those who, who think themselves strong, who, who think they'll last forever, because in fact, he says, I'm the only everlasting one. But God is one who gives power to the faint. He gives strength to the powerless. And then all it says for us to do is to wait. To wait in our weakness for the Lord so that He becomes your strength. Because you see, life needs more than brute strength. Life needs faith because at some point our strength will fail us, but God will not because the, the, the important foundation of faith that we have to understand is that it begins and ends with saying, I can't, but I know who can. And that overflows in praise because we realize that we must. So again, praise the Lord. Do we boast in Him alone? Well, finally, Mark 1. I've always loved this because it gives a picture of Jesus as though Jesus was wanting a sandwich and He found out the cook in the house was sick. So He raises her up because He's hungry. No, that's not what happens. Christ showcases himself as the same God that we hear in Isaiah, that we, that we say praise the Lord to in Psalm 147, that being the source of hope and salvation and life. We see it in, in Simon Peter's mother-in-law there in verse 31 where it says, He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. That lifted her up phrase, it's the same word that is used later on when it says that Christ was raised from the dead. It's a resurrection word. There's a resurrection happening here. He raised her up in her fever, in her illness, being the showcase of life everlasting in himself. And the response then turns into love. It turns into delight. It turns into praise through service. She doesn't serve because she has to. It must have just been the way that she shows love. Just like all of us show love in different ways, Acts of service is one of them, and it pours out through her showcasing her delight for this one who gave himself for her. And then we have the crowd. You ever notice they know where they have to go? No one else was going to help them. There wasn't another exorcist around to take care of those demons. And they come and they get healed in that house. They knew where Jesus was and they came to him because they knew where their hope and their salvation had to lie. It wasn't in themselves. It wasn't in all the other things that they were trying to do. In fact, they found out they, they were powerless. And they needed him to do the Jesus thing that he knew how to do, which was life and salvation. And then what's the response? The response is Simon Peter and all his disciples go looking for Jesus. And they say, everyone is looking for you. They're all searching for you. They, they know that you are the only source of what it is that is grace-filled in this place. They're knowing that it is in Him our strength lies. And then finally, Christ. Even Christ gets tired. Even Christ must have been an introvert because He goes off by Himself alone. Any other introverts in the room? I always read this verse and I go, oh, that sounds so especially during COVID, when I was stuck in a house with three other people for way too long. I'd hide him in the basement way too often. But he goes out to rest and pray. 
I wonder what lesson we could learn from that, but even more so, it's in order that he might be with his father. He needed to be there to be rejuvenated because he knew he needed his father, he needed God, because this work of being a savior is a little hard. And so his response is rejuvenation because we see that in our last word in the gospel text this morning. Let us go on to the neighboring towns that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. This message of there's a gracious God, praise him, there's a gracious God who's come into your midst. This this message of this is what I came to do, to preach release to captives, to, to release those who are imprisoned by sin and death. Proclaiming that good news, that good news of the kingdom being built for the broken. Because as Savior, He only takes the ones who are in need of rescue. Those who don't need rescue, I guess He's not much of a Savior. But He comes to unbind us from all that might break us, that we might serve Him. So again, praise the Lord. Yes, I think we do. And we should because of what he has done for us. Yesterday, I shared this in the sermon for Vernon's funeral, but yesterday was a unique day for me in my ministry. It was the first time I'd done a baptism and a funeral in the same day. At noon, I took little Carson, put a little water on his head, and spoke the promise of God over him. He's a child of God, that he's sealed by the cross of Christ forever and ever. And then with Vernon, Vernon has fulfilled his baptism because in our baptism we are buried with Christ and raised to new life. And now Vernon has that one thing that we praise God for and hope for all our days is life everlasting, resting in his arms forever. And Carson just got this little foretaste, this little bit, and it's this continuation in his life of preaching this and teaching this to him of praise the Lord. Why? Because in Him I have life. Not in this world, necessarily, but life in Him. That then removes all the other burdens of trying to create life for myself. It it removes all the other burdens of trying to get praise for myself. It, It removes all the other burdens of trying to make something of myself. And instead, I receive from God the thing that I need, which is life in Him. And that is what we receive from Christ because it is in Christ as He comes to us. He finds us in our most broken, in our most buried, in our most utterly dismal situation and He takes us by the hand and He lifts us up and He says, you are mine. And so then we come back to our psalm that tells us that God is gracious. And our hopes are that this morning and as we leave today and as we go out the next week, that the first word on our lips, maybe when we get up in the morning, will be praise the Lord, because he has given us life. Thanks be to God. Amen.